What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Ben and I'm joined by my co-host Drew. Thanks Ben. Each episode we will sample beers both local and beyond while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or stream each episode on wannabewalkons.com. New episodes drop during the Nebraska football season every Tuesday at 11 a.m. On this week's episode, Ben and I will share our thoughts on the Ohio State game and then sample and rank three local Husker football-themed beers. I'm Drew. And I'm Ben. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. So, Drew, do you know what song that was that welcomed us in uh, to the show? It was Elvis. That was Elvis. Do you know? Do you know what song that is specifically? Uh, no, I, I don't remember the name of the okay. song. Okay, so it's called "Suspicious Minds." Oh, okay, yeah, now that you say and that. it just felt fitting for the situation we're in. And I just want to read you the lyrics. Okay, we're caught in a trap. Oh God, <laughs> I can't walk out because I love you too much, baby. Why can't you see what you're doing to me? When you don't believe a word I say, we can't go on together with suspicious minds. And we can't build our dreams on suspicious minds. It just felt fitting for where we're at. It's almost like Elvis could see the future. Yeah. Nebraska football. That, and it just feels like we're all in a different headspace. And we can't move forward until we're a unified front. We can't move forward until... We all have this joint mindset that we can move forward and we can be successful. So it felt fitting not only for how you're feeling, how I'm feeling, how the fan base is feeling, but just overall how the program itself needs to move forward. They almost need confirmation that either Frost is going to stay and we'll see maybe some new staff or that he is going to depart. And right now it just feels disjointed. I felt nothing during this Ohio State game. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, not in a bad way, mm-hmm. not in a good way. Uh, Derek, who's a good friend of mine, he's an Ohio State fan. He was texting me during the game, and he was like, oh, man, oh, no, oh, what's going on? I was like, dude, calm down. He was sweating. He, he was, was sweating. sweating, and I was like, "Yeah, don't worry. First off, Ohio <laughs> State was in control of that whole game. Yeah, They never felt a point where they were off the rails far enough to where they were going to let Nebraska back in. They always had enough distance, and they that defense was just stellar. 
but it was just one of those things where I was like, no, I've seen this story before. I know what's going on. You're fine. <laughs> so let's let's dive in. Let's talk about it. This okay. Ohio State game. I'm all I'm all in for uh, chatting football. Are you sure? Yep. Well, uh, Nebraska dropped to three and seven on the season in a twenty-six to seventeen loss to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now I can only imagine the number of well, at least it wasn't a one possession loss jokes that are just Hey-o. scouring uh, social media to think you're so clever. Yeah, you think you're so funny. Well, you and about everyone else who's tweeting that. As we usually do, let's break this thing down section by section, and we'll start by talking about special teams. And you called it with Noah Ruggles being the guy to basically Perf- be perfect. Yeah, perfect. Dude does not miss. He's, he really he's does. He's automatic. And it's, and it's so, okay, <laughs> here's a caveat for listeners. I didn't watch the game at all. Like, I saw a couple snaps, and I followed on the radio. Um, but I was unable to attend today. I couldn't attend my television. But I do know that he hit all of his, and I know that we did not no. hit all of ours. And it's and so that sort of juxtaposition is pretty painful. Yeah, we almost missed more field goal slash extra point kicks than we made. We missed an extra point kick? No, I'm saying... Oh, okay. <laughs> if you add <laughs> them like, all oh, together, it's worse. we were right on the cusp because yeah. we went one for three and we went two for two. So it could have easily Just been that 50-50. Yeah, you don't want to be below 50% when you're kicking field goals. And clearly you want to be below 90. <laughs> you don't want to be below 100. <laughs> you just want to make field goals. Yeah. Yeah, you know that was really the difference maker in the game. Nebraska's defense when we get into talking about that really held strong. They bent really well. They didn't break. They held Ohio State to field goals, but goodness gracious just like we knew last year, it's really nice to pick up a reliable kicker in the transfer portal or as a graduate or something along those lines because games are won or lost off the foot of a specialist. Credit to Ohio State. It wouldn't have made the difference for Nebraska had we had those six extra points, but it would have changed the dynamic of the game, would have made it a closer game, would have made it a, a tied game at one point. Yeah, and then we wouldn't hear, hear all these dumb jokes. That's true. But... No, that's I'd, true. We would have just lost another one possession game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, we're so close to being undefeated. Yeah, and then we'd be sitting here being like, well, at least our kickers. <laughs> 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 no, but like, that's what, that's that's kind of the point, right? Like, it, you don't win or you don't win or lose based on kicking, but you do. Like, you don't yeah. win or lose based on a single player, but you do in the sense that your offense is is playing down nine instead of down six. And that's sure, a, there's a huge difference of mentality yeah. there. And, Absolutely, and we all know how great Nebraska is. When they're within, you know, one score. Yeah. I think Robbie Lula had the best tweet where it was, nothing can stop Nebraska's offense when they're down by two scores. <laughs> Which is just wildly accurate. They are, so they're true. a very good offense when they're trying to come back from behind. They're incredibly efficient. Yeah. And it's wildly frustrating. You're like, where is this fire all game? Where's this firepower coming from? It's when they get when they get close and there's that chance at failure, like true failure, yeah. that they fuck it up. They fail, like they get afraid. <laughs> It's when when they play loose and there's and you know like the game you know is out of reach. Yeah. And they can just go out there and just play. Yeah. They have they have a great grand old time. What do you think that's indicative of? Where do you think that problem lives? Do you think that's mental? Do you think that's 
that has to starts be, from the top down. That has to be mental. I mean, part of it is probably the way that the opposing team is playing at that point too, where they're just loosening loosening up as well on defense, which is where they're giving up all those those yards and those those points. But yeah, I think it it almost has to be mental, right? Like you you lose all of that pressure. You're not thinking about it. You're not thinking about, well, what if I do this? What if I do that? You're just going out there. And you're just playing the game. And they've, yeah. they've, most of these guys have been playing long enough that they're capable of just playing the game without thinking. But then they're getting put in these positions where they start to think. Sure. That's my guess. I don't know. I've never played I've never played the sport, so I can't really say yeah. how it actually goes down. But that's what, I, that's what I would guess. That's not true. You've played one season of flag football. I did, actually. That's right, yeah. We were on the same team. Yeah. And I remember one game you got like hit, even though it was flag football, and your contact came out. And you, oh yeah, yeah, and you were playing with one eye. Yeah, see, and I, but I kept going because I'm a you know I'm a trooper. Yeah, you're like you were the Adrian Martinez <laughs> of our team. That was my one eye, you know, and his broken jaw. They're more or less the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The other thing that I had for special teams was a credit to Ohio State. I'm a big fan of the way they do special teams. Their whole team is bought in. If you look at who's on punt coverage, if you look at who's on punt return, all of it. It's high-profile players. Their starting tight end is on punt coverage. Jackson Smith and Jigba is their punt returner. And boy, is he a punt returner. He is so freakishly talented on offense, but then you get him on special teams as well. He had the special teams play of the game. So Pritstop had a punt that was maybe a 62, 63-yarder. It was an absolute bomb. He outkicked Smith and Jigba. Smith and Jigba ran and Willie Mays styled over-the-shoulder basket caught the ball which any other any other football player that I've ever seen turn to try and make that play winds up muffing the kick and is chasing it down and loses however many yards. He not only caught the ball, he regathered himself, found his blocks, and got 14 yards on wow. the return. And that's just pure athleticism. Like, that's just freak of nature, first-round draft pick kind of guy. Smith and Jigba is capable of making those plays at any given time in any facet of the game. And for a guy to go out and do that on special teams, what a weapon to have. What a sheer weapon to just be like, yeah, we'll we'll return this punt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead and just kick it 20 yards over his head. Who gives yeah, a shit? doesn't matter. He tracked it down. And, I mean, it was not something, like, normally you'd be like, well, just wave that one off. Yeah. And it was one of those punts where it's like, it might go for 90 because it might bounce and bounce and bounce. Nope. I'm going to field it and return for 14 more yards. Holy cow. What a beautiful play that was. Yeah. And it's going to be one of those plays that maybe gets overlooked for the other highlights. He had a 75-yard touchdown where he – Broke a couple tackles and ran 75 yards for a touchdown. But just being able to field the ball and be that confident and athletic and give Ohio State that kind of field position, he wound up keeping Nebraska from flipping the field on a 63-yarder, turned it into a 48-yard punt. Yeah, and that's where um, Nebraska's inconsistencies, I think, really come out to bite them in the ass, is that they have these great plays, and then a talented player kind of flips it around and you can live through that you can live through these these uber talented guys kind of uh hurting you even when you do what's right but then they go and hurt Nebraska goes and hurts themselves in other situations yeah i think there was there were one of the one of the few plays i did here on the radio it was like a 13 yard punt yeah is that right yeah a little yeah. bit of the the shanky shanks and that doesn't yeah that's not because in jigba's back there it's just I mean, maybe it is. Maybe he's in his head no, at that point, but I don't think so. No, <laughs> just just no. a bad, just a bad boot, a bad boot. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, that's the thing. It's like I don't know, man. That's where the inconsistencies really get you. Sure. You you just can't you can't survive because you're going up against a team in Ohio State that even on your best plays, you still have to be 
100%. Yeah. I would actually give a little bit of extra credit to Pritstop and give him a little bit of slack on why that shank may have occurred on the very first punt of the game. I think Ohio State got like half a palm away from blocking his kick. They were very close to getting a hand on the ball with a single guy. It wasn't like an all-out block, and that comes from having a special teams coordinator. It comes from practicing that. Ohio State has always been violent when it comes to blocking punts and blocking kicks. That's something they've always been good at as long as Nebraska's been in the Big Ten. Pritstop may have been in his head on that front when it came to that shank, thinking, I got to get this off quick. I got to boot this thing. And I think he settled in when he noticed that he had the, the, the right coverage moving forward and, and may, they may have brought an extra guy. I, I don't know. I didn't go back and rewatch or count or anything like that. But yeah, I could see him being in his head on the next kick after that. of like, I better hurry this one up. And then it just misses the foot. Yeah. Fortunately, he didn't miss the foot completely because that would have been. <laughs> We've seen that. We've seen that in a Nebraska-Ohio State game, too. <laughs> I'm, I, yeah. <laughs> We've seen a lot. We've seen a lot from Nebraska since we joined the Big Ten. We've seen the offensive linemen just fall backwards <laughs> <laughs> to not get the false start, but still got called for the false start. For some reason, I feel like the Mark Sanchez butt fumble, butt fumble. even though it happened in the NFL, <laughs> happened to Nebraska. Like Those are the kind of things where I'm like, oh, no, I could see that. He probably ran into a Nebraska offensive lineman, like Brent Brent Quayle or Quayle or whatever his name was yeah. that played there for the Jets. I don't know. Anyway. So all in all, we see how effective Ohio State can be with their special teams. Field goal kicking was huge. The punt return game was huge. Nebraska did a decent job of punting and covering punts. They didn't let huge returns happen, which was nerve-wracking to say the, the least. There was one big return that was about a 20-yard return, but it's still wasn't a terrible net for Pritstop. stop. And then Frankie just did Frankie things. His one kick that was returned was down at the 25. So no harm, no foul. Decent day for Nebraska on their punters and kickoff. Really rough day for field goals. So moving on, let's talk Nebraska's offense versus Ohio State's defensive line. Because Jesus, are those guys good? Yeah. Violent, fast, strong. Those defensive ends were in the backfield for Nebraska the entire game. The entire game. I stopped at work to to tune in real quick just to kind of see where things were. I happened to pop in. I saw the score was like 17 to 10. Yeah. Just starting the third quarter. Ooh. Got excited. Nope. Got excited. I, was I like, wouldn't Ooh. have been because <laughs> I was watching it <laughs> yeah. all the way through. But Nebraska had the ball. They're down seven yep. in the second half. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to. You know, I'm gonna sneak a sneak a couple plays here. And uh first play, Martinez, it's second down, he takes a sack. It's third and fifteen. I'm like, all right. All what right, does he well, do let's next? See what happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are the two plays that I actually watched. Was the two plays were just back to back sacks. And it was like it was not even close. Yeah. So, Everyone in Columbus got Big Macs. Big Mac sacks? Big Mac sacks. Hey, good for you. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I have that written down in my notes as one of the things that really frustrated me. So early in that half, Ross and Lubick were calling a lot of little chip shots. They were calling five-yard, six-yard, taking what the defense was giving them, and it was effective. They were doing it two, three, four times in a row, and then all of a sudden, that exact set of downs that you saw happened, and the play calling went from getting the ball out quick, getting out and ahead, using the speed of that defensive line against itself, and they started calling plays that took too much time to develop. We saw how effective Nebraska's receivers could be in the 72-yard touchdown to Toure, in the 20-some yards to Allen and Omar Manning across the, the middle of the field. But at that point, it was frustrating to see, hey, we're making hay. We're moving downfield. We're chugging along. And then the play calling switched up to these long developing plays, and it wound up causing back-to-back sacks. 
Yeah, see, and that's frustrating because that's something that you feel like the staff does is they they move away almost inexplicably from things that are working within a game. It's like they have an idea of what they want to do in a game ahead of time. Yeah. They know what will work, so they start doing what will work, hoping it opens them up to what they want to do. Sure. And as soon as they, they start doing what's working and they see that clicking, then they switch. And like, cool, now we can do what we want. And it doesn't work. And that's very frustrating. And I get what they were probably trying to do against Ohio State, against their secondary, understanding like that's the weakness of this defense. Yeah. But yeah, if you can if you can take advantage of a strength of your opponent, like the strength of the speed of their defensive line, sure. by doing these quick little shots and just taking what they'll give you, mm-hmm. then fucking do it. Yeah. And just stick to it. And who cares if you like, cool, you want to be an explosive big play offense? Like, don't be for today. Yeah. Just don't. Yeah, I think about a team like Purdue. They're known for passing the ball. What did they do against Nebraska in the one instance because they knew they could catch him off guard was run the ball. They found the weakness or they found the thing that Nebraska least expected and they exploited it. The same thing with Minnesota. Those were the ways that those two teams moved the ball on offense against our defense, against a damn stout defense. Yeah. And you wonder why Nebraska as an offensive minded team with Scott Frost and with Matt Lubick at his side and with these gurus, why are we doing these things that are that feel ineffective? I think it's because we don't have an identity. And be, like Purdue still threw the ball a lot on us. They just did it, did it dinking and dunking. Yeah, right. Like they just adjusted to what they again. Like we gave them. That's what we gave them, and they took it. Yeah. Minnesota still ran the fuck out of the ball on us. Yeah. Even though they didn't have their running backs, so like this is what we do. We're Minnesota. We're going to put thirty offensive linemen. Up on the line, and we're going to just run the ball. Who gives a shit who's toting it? So this specific issue that I have, and that you also, it feels like you agree with, brings up a quote from Mike Schaefer that I heard earlier in the week, and I want to read this. This is paraphrasing. It's not a word-for-word quote. I was driving when I heard it, so I was able to jot this down once I was parked. But he said something along the lines of, it's difficult to imagine the kind of growth necessary for this program to turn the corner when the thing holding your program back is the offense and the offensive philosophy held by your head coach. How can you expect to have growth in the offseason when the necessary growth is the supposed strength of your struggling head coach? And it felt like the hardest-hitting truth bomb it felt like that scene in the crucible where they crushed your chest with a rock. Like it was just, yeah, that's really how this team is struggling is with offense. And what are we going to do about it? What answers do we have? What, what, what's out there? And this game was just more evidence saying, if this is the staff or if this is the head coach, we're going to move forward with into another season. And I'm in support of it because I trust Trev Alberts. I trust what he's going to bring to the table. I trust that he is that mentor that Scott may have been missing in Bill Moose. Love Bill to death was probably awesome to party with, but he may not have been the kind of boss that Frost needed to give him that criticism and that feedback and really push him. And maybe if Trev had been here after Scott's first season, he would have said, hey, I know you brought your UCF guys. Some of these guys aren't going to work. They're not cut out for the Big Ten. Those changes might have been made sooner. We may have seen the success on the offensive side of the ball. We may have seen a guy like Lubick come in, or we may have seen a completely different guy. Trev could have said, don't bring in your friend. Don't bring in Don't bring in the guy that has similar offensive philosophies as you. Bring in someone to challenge you, to push you, to make you question what you're doing, and to see if there's a better idea in the room. Don't bring in a yes man. Bring in someone who's really going to 
to push back and challenge your philosophy and make you prove not only to yourself and your staff, but also prove that it can win. I don't think he's had to do that. And I'd love to see him have to do that. Yeah. I'm coming around to the idea that I think Frost is going to be here next year. And I think that obviously that offensive staff is going to have to be overhauled. And so to me, that means it may not just be one more year. It may be we've got a new staff. We need to give them time to gel. So we might be looking at finishing the original contract of seven years even. Ugh. All I'm like, I'm not I'm not against keeping Frost yeah. entirely, right? But the idea of sitting through next season, if it's the if it's a new staff, but you see a lot of the same issues, and that like hearing that argument, well, he's got a new staff. We gotta give yeah. him a, we gotta give him another year to, you know, really piece this thing together now. It's like kind of hitting it's like kind of hitting the reset button, but not it's just hitting a reset button on the argument at that point. Yeah, and, and that's fair. I think that's that's more than fair. And I don't, I don't take, like. I'm not going to defend that. I just think how how I mean, how realistic is it to expect a new offensive staff and in finding that identity? Maybe it does work within that first year. Maybe we see eight wins next year on an easier schedule, uh, an easier strength of schedule with a new offensive coordinator or a new offensive line coach and a better quarterback coach or something along those lines. Maybe we do see those differences and they are an immediate change and we can say, okay, here's something going forward. If it's not there and you're seeing the same shit, different staff, well then yeah, clean your hands of it and just move on. I have more things that piss me off about the play calling. You want to hear them? Yeah, of course. Let's, let's dig into it. Okay. So late, I think it was like mid fourth quarter. Nebraska, again, was having a beautiful drive. Ramir Johnson was carving up Ohio State. Martinez was eating them alive on the ground. It was finally far enough into the game where they were letting him pass the ball, and then they were opening up these passing lanes to cover downfield because he was hitting his targets through the air, and then they just lost the spy on him, and he just got chunk yardage, was getting 10 yards, 12 yards, 15 yards. So Nebraska was doing a great job moving the ball downfield on the ground. And then they got to a second down in the red zone. They run the ball. It's third and four. You're in the red zone. I think they're down by six at this point. So a touchdown gives you the lead. A field goal gives you what? Gets you within a score again. I mean, it's cuts it in half at that point. Cuts it in half. Yeah. But you're playing Ohio State. You're moving the ball against them. It's midway through the fourth. Nothing's guaranteed. On third and four. Third and four from like the 18-yard line. What would you run? In that situation, I would look for Austin Allen. I would at least have a run play in my back pocket, but yeah. I would but I would want Martinez to probably roll out. So you want the ball in Martinez's hands and give him an option. Yeah. I want him to I want him to have the option to hand it off. So like an RPO with maybe your hot route being Austin Allen. Yeah, I have him like fake fake the block on the run and then try to slip loose. Okay. Give he's him a bootleg so that if he can get the edge, he gets the edge. Yep. He's a big target. Sure hands. Cool. They ran a mesh to Levi Falk. <laughs> I was so angry and here's why. Because they were settled for the field goal before they even tried the third down attempt. Yeah. They ran a mesh pass to Levi Falk. Martinez got rushed because he had to stay in the pocket for the play to develop. He had to throw off his back foot and he aired it over Falk's head. Not Martinez's fault on that pass. Yes, probably an easy throw on the grand scheme of throws that were made in this game. But when the game's on the line, there's the added pressure. You've got the defensive line of Ohio State running at your face, and you have to throw off your back foot to float a touch pass. Not an easy throw. Why do you not do exactly what you were saying, Drew? Or get Martinez out in space, run a uh, run play. You've been running effectively. Get two yards, set yourself up for fourth and two, 
go for it on fourth down. They were playing some conservative play-calling game instead of trying to win the game. To me, that's another piece of evidence that says the play-calling and the offensive mind, its lack of identity, however you want to look at it, it's starting at the top, and that's the thing that needs to change, and that's the thing that's holding that back. And that's why that Mike Schaefer quote, what he was getting at, hit so hard. It's like, yes, obviously. There is something wrong with the philosophy and the way that this offense has been played over the last four years, and now we've just got fucking exhibit A through Z of evidence. kind of glad I didn't watch this game. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I got that out of the way. Okay. You got more? I do, but in a good way. Oh, okay. So I want to give a special mention to Samori Toure. He had an incredible game. He showed his potential against a solid secondary, which should pay off come draft day. He's going to make an NFL roster. He's going to get a shot, whether he's drafted or he's an undrafted free agent, but he will get a shot at the next level. Everyone's criticism of Toure was, well, he can't do it against good competition. There's not a whole lot better competition on Nebraska's schedule than Ohio State's defense. And he got a 72-yard touchdown where he just straight-up burned a guy. That's highlight reel enough. And then he had another huge play downfield that put Nebraska in a solid position. So Toure had a great game. Everyone got involved. I will give credit on the offensive scheme in that front. Allen got the ball. Volkolet got the ball. Ramir Johnson got the ball. We saw Marquis Stepp get back in the game. We saw Manning get targeted. Betts got targeted. So they were passing the ball around. They weren't highlighting one single guy, but Toure made himself a highlight. So I want to give credit on the offensive side there. But yeah, I mean, give credit as well to Ohio State's defense because, again, that defensive line on just the left side of the line, the defensive end was just always running down Adrian's backside, and it was terrifying any time. Adrian did a good job, did his best stepping up, and he didn't make any dumb decisions. That interception was a pinball interception, so you can't get mad over that. He was, you know, his receiver didn't catch the ball, bounced around and whatever. All in all, a rough game for the offense, but a great game for Ohio State's defense. They did everything they needed to do to win that game. And I wish them the best of luck moving forward on that defensive side. It's hard to add anything when you didn't watch the game. Well, I'm mostly just like listening like, oh, okay, so that's what happened, you know. Uh, I don't have to watch the highlights now. That's why Ben was so angry. <laughs> so Nebraska's defense versus Ohio State's offense. I'm pretty sure our defense did a great job today. They did. Against the like number one offense of all time. They really did. They really did. They They... They really did. <laughs> they had a difficult time shutting down one receiver, and that was Jackson Smith and Jigba. They had a hard time shutting him down last year. The guy's a freak. Yeah. He, he's so good. And if you haven't seen, if you don't remember, look up his first career touchdown. It was against Nebraska. He catches the ball somehow out of bounds and then warps his body like a cat falling from three stories. It's fucking and, wild. And lands on one foot in the back of the end zone. Ohio State has some incredibly gifted athletes, and Nebraska went step for step with them. Drew, you are the biggest Cam Taylor Britt fan I know. Mm, I love, I and love. that's only because I don't know his mom in person. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I will go toe to toe. She's wonderful. I follow her on Twitter, and she's a delight to follow on Twitter. Yeah, he had a really nice game. It was fun to watch. It was a good battle. It was one of those where it's like, okay, he's going against next level receivers and he'd win a rep and then the other guy would win a rep. And you're like, man, this is the kind of thing I want to see on a Sunday. Like two dudes just battling it out. And every time a shot was taken, he'd occasionally get the pass breakup. He had a beautiful one-handed pass breakup where he was playing safety. The ball was thrown and he broke 
hard on the ball, laid out, and got a right hand on it and swatted that thing out of the air. I mean, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful pass. You're like a half chub just thinking about it. <laughs> well, you got Miss Britt beat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's. I think that without watching the game, if you would say like, okay, I mean, I know Garrett. What Garrett Wilson didn't play. Yeah. But even with Jigba and, and Olave in the game and, yeah. and record, I think they're tight end. And Fleming, uh, which was their backup wide receiver. Okay, their, Wilson. their fourth string guy who's probably still better than like most number one guys on yeah. most teams. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. With all their offensive weapons, if you can just, I'm you, you're not gonna you're not gonna eliminate every single one of them. But if you can force it, a team to funnel to one guy, that I think is a success. I'm smirking really big right now. Why did we not do that? So Jackson Smith and Jigba almost broke the single game receiving record for Ohio State. Oh, he, so we really forced him to funnel it. <laughs> See, that's success. He, he, I think he had over 220 yards. Oh, God. And he, to his credit, I mean, he worked, he worked to the ball, and he broke hard on the ball, and there were some moments where he just worked his way into a matchup where he was the better guy, and there were other times where he just went up and got it. And again, that's we talked about this last week in our preview. That's kind of the strength of C.J. Stroud is he has that confidence in his arm and the confidence in his receivers that sometimes he doesn't make the greatest throws, and two interceptions proves that. Nebraska had two interceptions on him. But he's got the guys who can go up and make those catches. And when you watch Nebraska's guys go up and make those catches, they're athletic catches. They look good. When you watch Ohio State's guys do that, you think, are they jumping off of an invisible box? Like, how are they 400 feet in the air catching a ball and bringing it down to the ground? So I, 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 I will give their offense a lot of credit on that front. That being said, during our preview, we didn't quite know how to shut down Ohio State's offense. But you know who did? Eric Chenander. Chenander. He knew yeah. what to do. Yeah. It turns did. out what you need to do is get CJ Stroud out of rhythm. You need to get hands in his face. You need to contain him in a pocket. Don't let him roll out where he has clear passing lanes. Ohio State's offensive line did a great job holding a pocket around CJ Stroud. But what Nebraska did well is they held that pocket. They got their hands in that pocket. They kept pushing and making that pocket smaller and smaller and containing CJ Stroud. I think he may have had four yards rushing on the ground, which he's not a rushing quarterback. He averages about 11 per game, but he never had the open field to go make those kind of plays. There was always someone barreling down on him, and it was an entire effort by Nebraska's defensive line. I'm talking Stilly, Robinson, Daniels, Thomas. Caleb Tanner probably had the, a career game where he was just barreling down on C.J. Stroud. He got a great pop underneath his arm where it was a bang-bang. He threw the ball, popped him right underneath. So there was a lot of pressure being put on C.J. Stroud, and those moments of pressure are what caused the turnovers. Now, Nebraska's offense didn't really capitalize on those, but you almost see that as a win in the sense that Ohio State's not scoring. I think we held Ohio State to the fewest points they've had all season. They, they're averaging almost 50 points a game, right? Yeah. 48 or something like that, and we held them to 30... No, 26. We held them to 26. Holy shit. How do we lose? Because <laughs> like, we only fuck? scored 17. Yeah, I Holy read the score shit. right at the beginning of the I don't thing. Listen. I don't listen to when you're reading stuff. Oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> this is what it should be every week, is you don't watch the games, and I don't tell you the end of the games. I just tell you the things, and then at the very end, I tell you the result. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be a miserable be, experience a for horrible. a Hulk fan? Well, this year it would be. It's be fucking awful. I mean, it is It is already, but... But you have to wait, like, oh, beyond, man. and then you got to go, and, and then you sit down, and I'm trying not to smile or frown or something like that. I come in with a Give really good away. attitude, and I'm like, hey, you're never going to guess how this game ended, and then we're like, well, we lost. I would just say, we held Ohio State to 26 points. Do you think we won or lost, Drew? Well, how many people would say that we won that game going into it? Well, if you were... yeah, if we if we held Ohio State to 26 points, but I think a lot of people expected Ohio State to hold Nebraska to maybe 10 because of a struggling offense. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You said 62, and then you corrected yourself to 52. I, yeah, I, tam- to I tampered it a little bit. Tempered, tempered a little bit. But, so, but still, 26. Like, that is a... If you were going to have a chance against Ohio State, that's a number you know what? that gives you a chance. Nebraska had a chance, and it 100% comes down to the defense. They also held Ohio State to 90 yards rushing. And Travion Henderson's been averaging, I think, four miles a game as his, <laughs> as his average. And Nebraska kept him under 100 yards. It was an excellent effort by this defense. And I know Nebraska has become predictable this entire season that we're the, the one possession wonders. But I don't mind being predictable on defense, that this is a defensive squad that will always keep you in the game they're going to get the ball back for you they're going to keep the score low enough they're going to get stops when they need to get stops they're going to do it even if you're on the even if your offense is on the field for a minute a drive yeah they still hold up yeah which is for not even not for a game but now for a a season yeah that's the fucking that's the most incredibly frustrating part about this is that nebraska the the whole thing about nebraska and this staff coming here from ucf was like you were looking at it, and you're like, wow, they give up a lot of points. And it was like, yeah, but they can score a lot of points. It's complimentary football. Yeah. This is not... It complements the opponent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our offense sure as shit does. Yeah. You know, like, the like, uh, the defense adjusted. The defense is playing... It's still playing, like, Chenander-style defense. Yeah. But it fits in the Big Ten. It does. It fits very nicely. Because the bodies fit in the Big Ten. Yeah. I really think that that's, that's the difference these past two years is that Nebraska's strength and conditioning, they can run with these big boys. They can handle being hit in the mouth game after game. They can be on the field. For 40 fucking minutes. Yeah. Because they have to be. So they are conditioned. But just imagine what like imagine what it would be like if Nebraska's if, offense could just... If Nebraska averaged 30 points a game, and it was a legit 30, not 56 one game, 17 another, legitimate like a 30... Just a balanced. A balanced offense... We'd be we'd be bowling already. Yeah, we'd be seven and three. Yeah. So the other the other note that I have for the defense is they tackled incredibly well in open field, and that was a huge part as well when it came to stopping Ohio State. They gave the cushions, which I predicted they would do. They gave soft coverage. They let the guys make the catches because they trusted their secondary to be on point with tackling, and they tackled well. There were a couple of situations where Nebraska held Ohio State to third downs, and Ohio State was not good on third down now rewinding the clock nebraska also only converted one third down (laughs) but ohio state was nine of 19 on third down which if you were going to ask if ohio state goes nine of 19 on third down will you take it you'd say i'd say yeah but that's a lot of opportunities they did have a lot of opportunities nebraska got them to third down quite a bit i marked it in my in my notebook as i was taking notes during the game every third down i marked and they went for it twice on fourth down they went one for two on fourth downs. Uh, Ohio State did. And 
Nebraska's defense was putting Ohio State in situations to where they would have to give the ball back to Nebraska. They yeah. did what they needed to do. They did what a defense is supposed to do, which is give the offense opportunity. Hmm. See, and I thought that soft coverage that they played was going to be the thing that kind of bit them on this game. I, I could have seen that happening, and that's actually how uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba scored, is he was in soft coverage. It was a short pass. That's true. Then, we did give up 220-something yards yeah. to him. See, so, yeah. But his touchdown, it wasn't you know, a breakaway, anything. It wasn't broken coverage. It was missed tackling, and he shook a couple guys out of their shoes. If I was an Ohio State fan, I would have enjoyed it. But as a Nebraska fan, I was like, <sighs> <laughs> how many catches did he have? I don't know. 30? What's what's the most and then add two more? <laughs> I think it was like 15 catches. A lot. Yeah. yeah. It was it was insane. I mean, he got his numbers. Yeah. He really it wasn't did. like he caught like five balls for 200 yards. No, right? he earned them. Yeah. I mean, he earned his yards, but he also got a big chunk play on a 75-yard touchdown where he showed again it's not just about running fast and catching a ball. Like, he's catching the ball and getting yards after the catch and making making some, some moolah that way. So MVP of the game, Drew, as someone who didn't watch the game, who is your MVP? JoJo Doman. God damn it. You can't have my MVP when I actually sat and watched the game. I stole it because you said it right before we started <laughs> recording. And I didn't want to be I didn't want to be predictable. I wanted I went, you know, throughout Cam Taylor Britt. I thought maybe you'd say I was your MVP for watching the game and taking all these notes and carrying the team today. You're our defense. <laughs> Well, that's a good call because my MVP is also JoJo Doman. Now, have you watched uh, Ted Lasso at all on Apple TV? I have not. Okay, so I'm going to quote Ted Lasso and then make it a little change. But uh, he's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. JoJo Doman. JoJo Doman. Doman was making plays all over the field. He had a chance at three interceptions, converted on one of them. He was making tackles in the run game, putting pressure on Stroud, defending against big plays in the open field. So even when Nebraska is three and seven, guys like JoJo are the reason I continue to tune in on Saturdays. I'm proud that he's wearing the scarlet and cream, and I can't wait to be a fan of whatever NFL team he winds up playing for because he plays with heart, energy, and violence, but also intelligence. He was everywhere today making plays. Did they use him in a lot of different ways, like purposefully, or was he like was did did to they honest, scheme the whole defense around him and his abilities? I don't know, I couldn't tell you, but he was he made I think he made every tackle. He broke that record the Fordham guy set. Yeah, in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah, he was he was seriously it was impressive. He was on social media like he wasn't social media. Was, oh, I was like Jesus while playing the yeah, game. Yeah, he was <laughs> like, tweeting, like, tweeting from his himself. armband. <laughs> no, the the. Some media members were like, who is this JoJo Doman guy? And a lot of Nebraska fans, I think, took some pride going, same guy he's been all year. Yeah. I mean, he was he was all over the field. He was impressive. And, I mean, we talk about up in draft stock every now and again. He he had a game. And that makes me real happy for him. And then people were like, well, but he's going to be 25. It's like, okay, so he's mature. If Brandon Whedon can get drafted, Jesus. All right, sorry. That's the second Brandon Whedon reference we've had on this <laughs> podcast in only one season. So what can you do? You know, it's a you got to go back to we what should try works. and get him on. We should see what Brandon <laughs> see what Whedon's up doing. to. He's our age. And he, then some. He's got to be. He might be older than us. He's got to be. A little I think bit. Brandon Whedon's older than us because he was 28 when I was in college. Well, he was 28 when he was in college. <laughs> so <laughs> so we've both been out of college the same amount of time. Yeah. And we both had the same success in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> that was cold. Oh, all right. What's next? Oh, Nebraska. yeah. Before we move into Nebraska beer, we want to take a quick moment to talk about, well, Nebraska beer. More specifically, our show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. 
As we mentioned at the top of the show, Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. The craft beer industry provides over 4,000 full-time jobs in Nebraska alone. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting local, small business, something that's important now more than ever. If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information. You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer. So the second half of this episode, we are going to be sampling and ranking three different local craft beers that link themselves back to Husker football in both name and collaboration. On the docket, we have Hail Ale from Kincader Brewing in Broken Bow, Walk On Red Ale from Infusion Brewing Company in Omaha, and Dear Old Nebraska Brew from Zipline Brewing Company in Lincoln. Ben and I will sample and describe each beer, then rank them in order of our personal preference. Beer number one is Hail Ale from King Cater Brewing. Hail Ale clocks in at 4.2% ABV and is an easy-drinking cream ale brewed with Nebraska corn and lightly hopped. Light enough for sweltering September Saturdays in Nebraska and enough flavor to last all season long. A collaboration between King Cater Brewing Co. and Hail Varsity. All right, Drew, so beer number one, Hail Ale. What are you thinking on this one? This is this is as light and easy drinking as a beer can get. Absolutely, you could you could pound these things dangerously way too yeah. easily. This this kicked back and tasted kind of like, I mean, I know it's brewed with Nebraska corn. A lot of cream ales are. I think cream ales are brewed with corn, and that sweetness is a very familiar sweetness. As a Nebraska raised boy, I'm like, oh, I know what that is. That's just like that sweet corn first bite, fresh corn on the cob doesn't have the corn flavor, but it has that same sweetness that, that it brings to the table. Yeah. Cream ales are quickly becoming one of my favorite styles of beer. Yeah. I used to be very against the idea of corn and beer or whatever. <laughs> like, it just seemed, it seems wrong, right? Like, like, it goes against, like, purity laws and blah, blah, blah. It's just not a traditional ingredient that you throw into a beer. And I always thought, like, they just do that to make it cheap, you know, cheaper than yeah. whatever. But we've, we've done a lot of cream ales on this since doing this show. Yeah. And we've come across some really good ones. I think back to Merlin's Cream Ale from Jukes. Mm-hmm. I think back to our boys in, in Hardington. In Hardington. Yeah. The very first beer from oh, this yep. show is that Cream Ale. Yeah. And that was a good Cream Ale. Yeah, that one was really impressive. That was the thing that like kind of kicked it off. It was like, holy yeah. cow, like, okay, maybe I really do like like this style. I think there's some neat complexities that you can get into with Cream Ales. The orange flavors, some of the citrus flavors that come into it. And it's not a hop citrus. It's more of that orange creamsicle kind of sugary citrus flavor that is really appealing. And I think Cream Ales are a great beer for non-craft beer drinkers. Someone who's like, I'm a fan of domestics. And you wind up having to sit down with them for a meal at a brewery or a brew pub. Get them on a Cream Ale. They don't have their Bush Light or their Mick Ultra or something like that. Have them try a Cream Ale. They're inoffensive. They don't have the bitterness. They don't have the hops. They don't have any of that. And they just come with that great beer, refreshing taste. Yeah, I agree. So beer number two is Walk On Red Ale from Infusion Brewing Company. Arriving on campus at 5% ABV, Walk On is a medium-bodied ale that earned its place with a sturdy malt backbone. Its rich aroma, depth of flavors, and striking color have all the makings of a star. This guy's malty. Yes. Malty for, yeah, even for a red ale. 
And something you noted already was just how the hop the hoppiness just ain't there. Yeah, it gets a little lost behind that maltiness. Yeah. Which is which is not bad. Like if you're a if you're a big fan of the malts. If you're more of a fan of an Irish red, you're gonna get more of those malty notes. This this to me strikes me as less of an American red ale. Yeah. And more of an Irish red ale. Yeah. Because any anytime you hear American anything, it's it's American because of the hops, probably, right? right? So yeah, this this definitely leans towards that that malt that European style. Mm-hmm. It does finish with a little bit of bitter, bitterness on the back end, so there mm-hmm. is a little bit of balance coming through on that. I happen to like malty beers. I'm a big fan of malty beers, and my favorite reds are Irish style reds. So I'm a fan of this of this beer. I think well, and I think if you're thinking about like the season, like football season, mm-hmm. that cooler weather, I don't drink hoppy beers during the winter, like. There's an internal part of me that just that doesn't sound as good yeah. as like a as a roasty or a malty. Well, that's because you like to microwave stouts. <laughs> <laughs> you like a little hot toddy stout, right? <laughs> I've been known to microwave a stout or two. Um, do you no, add, do you add marshmallows too? Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Drop them in my mug and yeah, yeah make like a little smiley face. I think there's a Simpsons episode where like Homer drops a marshmallow into a cup of hot chocolate and it absorbs all the hot chocolate <laughs> and then he pours it out and cuts it with a fork and knife like a like a can of cranberry. Know, yeah. <laughs> That's how Drew drinks stouts. Oh my god. That was a flashback to my childhood. No, I I just I think that this is the right I think this is the right way to go with the red ale. Yeah. If you're talking a, a football beer. Yeah, it's it's definitely a more crowd pleasing version of the red ale. Yeah. So good job. <laughs> good job. And, and you noted the can. I think I the love can, this can. Th- yeah, this can and like even the 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 K is cut off. Like there's this <laughs> this homemadeness to this can that reminds me of that walk on tradition. Like some some kid in western Nebraska who wants to go to Nebraska, so he puts his his own tape together and there's like editing issues and stuff <laughs> like that. And then it just says in quotes, it's good. <laughs> it's good. And it is good. Like, it they're is. not lying. It's so unpretentious. It's just. It is. Where would you Where would you put this? Where would you put these if you were going to give a preliminary rank? Who's. Oh, man. This is. That's hard. I think. That's the whole point. I know. <laughs> well, it's hard because it's. It's. They're so. They're. They're both different. Okay. You know what I mean? But I think if I had to choose. If I had to choose one for what, what I was drinking. While watching a game, if I was indoors, I would do the cream ale. If I was outdoors in the cold, I would want this red ale. Sure. So I would say, I would say, give me the walk on, give me the walk on late November, give me this cream ale early September. Okay. That's where I'm at right now. That's where you're at right now. Yeah. This red ale actually reminds me of the beer that was brewed specifically for the UNO Mavericks hockey team that you can only get at Baxter Arena. It's a very similar style of beer, a little bit of bitterness, and it might have even been done by Infusion as well. So a very similar beer where it feels good next to the ice. What if it's the same beer and they're just trying to pull a fast one on us? I've been waiting to use the sound yeah, effect buttons for so to, long. Yeah. I don't think it's the same beer, but it no. tasted really good when I watched the U.S. curling trials. Ooh, yeah. So Ooh, This would be a good curling beer. It would be. All right, let's move on to beer number three. All righty, all right. Our final beer is Dear Old Nebraska Brew from Zipline Brewing Company. This lager graduated with a 4.8% ABV and is perfect for tailgating and enjoying the good life in all kinds of weather. Zipline collaborated with the University of Nebraska Alumni Association to create this special brew. So dear old Nebraska 
I almost said dear old Nebraska Drew. <laughs> dear old Nebraska Brew. How do you feel about this lager, Drew? Um, I'm really impressed by it. You know, normally I, I do tend to prefer an ale to a lager for, for whatever reason, but this this one really shines just start to finish. It it's you know, it, it's got that aroma that we that we kind of point out in these styles of beers that are it's kind of funky. It's kind of yeah. eh. It's gonna. It might be off-putting even if sure. you if you're not expecting it or don't know that that's normal. But you take a sip, and it's it's complex. It's enjoyable. There's a lot to like about it. It's not that you know quick pound it easy drinker type lager. It mm-hmm. is a sit and like let it let it sit on your tongue and and enjoy it. It's very clearly a full body and fully developed beer where. This is something that Zipline, they're actually going to carry this beer year round. It's not something that was just created for the sole purpose of being a Nebraska football season beer. It's something that they're putting along their line and it's holding that spot as the lager in their brewery. And for any of these breweries to hold a spot year round for a beer means that they've taken the time to really develop the recipe, make sure it holds up against everything else they have to offer. And these are three great breweries that we both enjoy. I mean, I could list five, six beers from each of these places that I absolutely love. This lager, though, you can really tell is a, a, a step above in my heart. Yeah. So. And, and I, I go to Zipline for other beers. Like, I go th- I go there for, like, the IPAs and the yeah. porters and stuff. They're really prolific in those areas. Yeah. And so to have, um, you know, just like what I, I guess would be a basic or, like, generic, just a lager yeah. come, come out from them and be just this delightful to drink. I really love it start to finish. Yeah. That, that flavor that hits you, it's it's so specifically just, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's a lager. Like it tastes like a lager and then it finishes like a warm loaf of French bread. It has that clean, yeasty sort of finish yeah. that is so pleasant and homey. If you've, if you've ever, if, you're, if your grandma made homemade bread yeah. for, you know, whatever. Like my grandma would make homemade bread every fucking time we went over there for dinner. Every time, didn't matter what what occasion it was. It could be just a Sunday dinner. We would have homemade bread. Yeah, and you know, as soon as you walk in the door, there's that smell. You know, it's gonna be fresh, warm. The, you put the butter on. You can you can smell the warmth. Yeah, yeah. You yes. can smell how warm and and delightful that bread. Or those little dinner rolls you get on Thanksgiving, where when you crack them, in a little puff of steam yeah. comes out. <laughs> <laughs> like it's that. Yes. It's that kind of. That's what this. Yeah, that's what this is. As opposed to like going and. And, and going to the store and just grabbing a loaf of Wonder Bread or, yeah. you know, whatever, or like a, a Walmart loaf off of their bakery shelf. It's that wisp of Rotella's in the air when you Ooh, can tell they're baking, yeah. too, if you drive by a Rotella's bakery. Dude, if you don't roll your windows down oh. every time you drive by there, you're It doing never it gets wrong. old. Yeah. So, but that's what this is. Yeah, it's just, it, there is there is something there that's some quality there that, that really just shines and pops. Yeah. So. So now comes the difficult decision. Drew, we've got three beers in front of us from three breweries that we both enjoy. And now it's time for us each to rank them. Now, this is just our personal preference. One, two, three. Which one of these would you go back into the cooler for? I would I think it I think it's pretty clear, at least from maybe from what we discussed, but I would go back for the zip line for the dear old Nebraska brew. I still stand by what I said though, is if I'm in the stadium and I'm drinking a beer and it's late, I still want that red ale if it's late in the season. I still want this cream ale if it's early in the season. If I'm just if I'm just going for a beer in yeah. any occasion, then I'm gonna go for the zip line. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I think the Kincader would probably be my choice in either weather. Mm-hmm. I would probably drink that one in the football stadium, whether it's 
hot out, cold out, you name it. That is a beer that just hits me as beer. It's one that I would love to watch any game while drinking, anything along those lines. I really think that this walk-on is a great option. It's a little bit fancy. It's got a little bit more complexity with that malt. So I, I give them credit for making a football-themed beer have a little bit more of an edge to it. That's a nice move by Infusion. That is, because, you, yeah, you do... The, the cream ale, I think, probably appeals to the mass yeah. mass market, right? And I think, yeah, going for the red ale, like you, red makes sense, because red Nebraska, but mm-hmm. it probably narrows the market, I guess you could say. And so, sure. but again, I, everybody everybody has their preference. Everybody has, you know, certain styles that they maybe associate with certain activities, certain weather, certain everything. So Yeah. I think the way that we described it is, these are the craft versions of the following. This dear old Nebraska brew is your craft version of your Budweiser or a little bit of your full-bodied American lager. The Kincader feels more along the lines of maybe a more popular beer like a Bud Light, Bush Light, Coors Light, where it has that lightness to it, that crispness to it, a little bit of flavor, but nothing overwhelming, but still has that nice comforting sensation of I'm knocking back a great beer. And then the walk-on red ale is more of your your Samuel Adams Boston lager has that maltiness, that breadiness of that amber with a little bit of bitterness to balance it out, but nothing to where you're tasting pine cone or hops or anything that's aggressive or assertive and would turn away someone who's more of a domestic drinker. Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it. A good analogy. So what's your what's your number one? It's the dear old Nebraska brew. Yeah, okay. I think that's got to be number one. What's your number two? That's hard. That's hard. I well, think, I'm asking it. I, I don't, know. I don't care if it's hard. I think the I think the red ale. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and that's because again, like the the Kincader is a great. I'm just I'm drinking, just yeah. drinking a beer, and and it's there's just enough there to make it interesting where it's not a Bud Light to me. Yeah. Um, with no knock on Bud Light, but it's still it is it's it's a just a quick drink. You know, four point two percent. Yeah. I'm, I'm drinking to drink a beer and. It probably would fit really well inside of a stadium setting. It really would. Yeah, but that's not the beer that I seek out. No, just right. Like that's just that's me. So. Yeah, no one's attacking you here. This is a safe. I space. know. I I feel. I feel. I don't like to come across as negative towards any of these because they're all so good. So yeah. to rank them seems. Wow, I wish you had said that before we agreed <laughs> to doing this. Right. <laughs> what I what I think really separates the Kincader from a Bud Light, Bush Light, all that is how clean the flavor is on that beer. You can tell in those other heavily manufactured beers, and we all drink them. There's nothing wrong with them. But they do have a little bit of that artificial beer quality or that mass-produced beer quality. Whereas with the Kincader, it's so clean and crisp. And the sweetness, like I said, there's that hint of familiarity with the sweetness. It doesn't taste like sugar. It tastes like that came from something, and it came from the corn that's in the beer. And so you get a similar sensation. I almost got like a uh, like a cream lemon, like a lemon curd or something like that sort of sweetness that I'm getting in that beer. So it's not a, this is rice and corn syrup beer that's mass produced. It's a, this is, this is made from real grain. This is made from real corn. So I really like that aspect to it. I'm going to agree with you, though, that my number one is the dear old Nebraska brew. And my number two is the red ale. Again, I also seek out similar things. If I'm going to drink a beer and it's not like I'm going to crush some beer, I'm going to go with something that has more distinct flavors for me to try and pick out and grab in those types of things. But if you were to ask me which of these three beers is going to sell out at Memorial Stadium, it's hands down that it, can cater. It is, yeah. It is. And I think if you were going to, if you were the guy 
in charge of making that decision. I think you do put Kincaid in. I think you put all three in. Well, you could. No, does that you, make if you feel you like a piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I also and here we are. I also want to go to all of these breweries and and enjoy their beer without feeling like a jerk. No, I think if 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 you only if you could only put one of these in, if only one of them could go in, yeah. You wanted to if you wanted to sell to as many people as possible and, and appeal to as many people as possible. You, I think you do the hail varsity. Yeah. Also, it's the lowest ABV. You know, not by a ton, but that's still got to count for something. If you want them to come back for like a second and a third, they'll come without. back for a second and a third. <laughs> no, I think I do. I think that the Hail Varsity, I think it it's probably got the mass appeal to you, it. You put without. Hail Varsity into a tall boy and you sell it at Memorial Stadium for 15 bucks. I'm going to buy three of them. <laughs> I know because I don't want to have to walk just down. Just to start. Yeah. Just <laughs> I'll find a way to carry all of them up to pockets. my seat. <laughs> yeah, pockets. They'll make Nebraska clear beer bags. Just <laughs> we can't bring just you can't bring a normal beer. bag into the stadium. It's got to be clear. Yeah. So just bring a clear bag with a little faucet on the bottom that you just a little tap. Yeah. Self tapping. Nice. Ooh, self tapping cans. I think we have those. They're just called aluminum cans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to have to. I don't have to pour it into my mouth. I want to push a button and have it <laughs> spout into my mouth. Well, all three of these are great beers. If you come across these three, get them. Get all of them. Have a sample. You tell us which ones you like best, what you would rank them as. But I guarantee if you're a fan of craft beer, none of these are going to disappoint. Yeah. So get people together. Buy these beers. Give it a try. Do the do the taste test. If you buy, if you have four friends, just buy two six-packs of each. Get more friends. And then you or get less. More. Yeah. Fewer. Fewer. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> well, before we say goodbye... <laughs> We want to give you another chance to win our season-long prize package, including a game-used Nebraska football and local brewery swag. For this week's entry, email wannabewalkons at gmail.com with your all-time favorite Nebraska uniform. I'm sorry, I started trying to think of what my favorite was. <laughs> not the not the camouflage ones. Not the ones that we wore at, against Ohio State with the weird duct tape, the, the weird silvery duct tape. A bonus entry will be awarded to anyone who sends us a design of their own, regardless of how shitty. If you're a new listener or haven't entered for our earlier episode, you can do so until we give the prize away. Just make sure to include your first and last name in your email entry. That does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned in to this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Join us next week for an interview with our very special guest, Mr. Josh Peterson from 1620 The Zone, as we record live from Zipline Brewing Co.'s Beer Lounge and then preview Nebraska's upcoming matchup with the Wisconsin Badgers. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.